Welcome to Tycoons of Small Biz, a podcast where small business owners are celebrated as the backbone of the American economy. Each week, we introduce you to tycoons who share their stories and advice so that small business owners may learn from their experiences. Tycoons is powered by Backbone Planning Partners and Pivotal Advisors. Join us now as our hosts connect you to today's tycoons. Good afternoon, tycoons, and welcome to today's episode of Tycoons of Small Biz. I am your host here, as always, Austin Peterson, coming to you live from Gilbert, Arizona. It's a lovely 55 degrees outside, which is kind of cold for around here, but uh, it looks really nice and pretty outside, so we're excited about that. If this is the first time you're listening to our podcast and you're wondering what it is we do here at Tycoons, we are a podcast that was put together uh, Cinco de Mayo of 2020 by small business owners for small business owners. And our whole intent is to prop up the small business owner community because it truly is the backbone of the American economy. Most people in this country work for a small business. And so uh, giving those businesses and those business owners an opportunity to talk about their businesses, their successes, their failures, that's why we're here. We've been doing it for almost three years now. We've interviewed about 140 different uh, business owners. And so we're excited, obviously, every week to bring somebody else uh, new on. But today, especially, we've got a definite tycoon with us today. We've got Joy Linsky. Joy is the founder and CEO of Jewel Toned Interiors. They're an award-winning interior design studio located in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. So Joy, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, exciting. So tell me, tell me first of all, the weather in Florida, in Fort Lauderdale today is nicer than here, right? 75 and sunny. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I I usually, yeah, this time of year, I can usually claim the best weather, but uh, definitely not for compared to Florida. Yeah, the next couple months are when all Floridians are very proud to say that they're Floridians. (laughs) Not too hot. (laughs) Exactly. Well, Joy, so before we jump into the business side of things, we always like to start uh, on the personal side. So I'd love to hear your story, whatever that means to you, where you grew up, what you studied in college, if you went to college, are you married, do you have kids, whatever you want to tell us about. Sure. So I am a sixth-generation Floridian, which is very rare to start with. Uh, I am the sixth child of a blended family. My parents met in college, and my dad proposed to my mom, and she said no, and they married other people. And then like 20-something years later, they had me, got together and had me. My dad was a business owner. He owned a fruit harvesting company up in Fort Pierce, which is where I'm from. It's much smaller than Fort Lauderdale, but I believe it will be the next Fort Lauderdale. Development's happening everywhere up there. So fruit harvesting is kind of more in the agricultural world. I grew up a tomboy, ATVs and fishing and alligators and hunting and all those things, even though I may not look like it with my pink and interdesign surroundings. I'm a country girl at heart. So I went to University of Florida for inter- for psychology because I was super interested in brain and what made people do what they do. And then I realized how much research I was involved in the, in the, to get a psych degree. And I had dated someone that was a psychology degree and didn't use it. So I switched to something more creative and interior design was in the top 15 in the nation at the time. And so I've been an interior design ever since. I met my husband like a hot second out of college, which was not the plan. He is a Brit 
And I met him two weeks in, after he'd been in America for two weeks. So I was teasing that I nabbed him before anybody else got a chance. We He came with a five-year-old daughter, but we now have three together. So we have four in total, ranging from four to 22. And he is a business owner as well. Awesome. What What is his business? Marine engineering. Oh, I remember talking about that when we did our pre-qualification call. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, because yes. he... I don't remember all the details, but I, I remember that he doesn't have much in the way of competition. That was the big differentiator. There's a hundred million <laughs> interior designers and, and not many people or companies that do what he does. Yeah, exactly. He has very little competition and it's a very saturated market in Florida for interior design. Yeah, I'm sure. So you kept that uh, blended family thing going then with uh, with who you married then, huh? I did. I did. I think I was open to marrying a divorced man at the age of like meeting him at 23 because I came from that. But, um, and he's also 12 years my senior. So nice little healthy gap because I have much older siblings. Yeah, it all, it all makes sense. And it's interesting how that, how that kind of works and, and how that shapes you throughout your life. So I actually come from a blended family as well. It turns out that my biological father he's he's still alive but he kind of um my parents got divorced at a very young age and my mom married his best friend and they had two other kids together and so my son my brother and I come from the same biological father he's a year younger than me and then my dad I call him dad that raised me had two kids from his first marriage and then they had two together so Total of total of six, uh, five boys and one girl. You know, it, it it's just it's interesting because that that shapes us, I think, more than we realize. Absolutely, and we're the opposite. So we're five girls and one boy. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, there you have it. Yeah, that could have been the perfect match, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, but yeah, it is. It blended families are um there's a lot of nuances, there's a lot of personality. And um, like my what I consider my immediate family, I'm sure yours is probably similar, but it's probably around like 28 or 29 at this point. My nephews are having my great nieces and nephews now, so it's rapidly growing and it's interesting. And I wouldn't change it for the world because it's all I know. Yeah, it's it's funny you mentioned that because it does make for a large family. And then to to top it all off, my wife has an older sister that did kind of the same thing that your parents did, where they they dated in high school, they were high school sweethearts, but then they ended up marrying other people, got divorced around the same time, and then you know got married to, to each other. But one of them had five children, the other one had six. And wow. so they now have a combined 11 children and their second to the youngest is a college football player. And they were, and so we were, I was watching one of his games. It was on national TV, but they were talking about him because he's one of the stars of the team. Let's say, let's say that, but, or at least, you know, most well-known, most potential to go to the NFL, whatever the announcer kept talking about the things that they learned from him in an interview, but he kept saying his nine siblings, his nine siblings. And I'm sure people are gasping and I'm sitting there going, but it's actually 10. 
you know? So it's even worse than the, uh, the announcer was making it sound. So, yeah, uh, <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. I'm sure your kids don't hurt for cousins. <laughs> no, no, they definitely don't. All right. Well, let's, let's jump into why we're here. So Joy, you've, you've kind of built this, uh, I would call it a niche, but it's, I don't know if you would call it a niche, but I, I would say that you've built something that is pretty unique and powerful in a very saturated market, like you said, right? And so JTI, I mean, I could read this whole long list of all the, the awards that you guys have won and you personally, as well as the, the company and different things like that. And, and I'll just say it's exhaustive. You guys have obviously done a lot of, of really good things, but when I think about it, and I've interviewed a lot of business owners, obviously all I do in my day job is work with business owners. And what I've found is that over the years, there's a couple of things that really dictate or will, will forecast whether or not a company will do well, right? And, and I think one of the things that I know about you is that you have a big why behind JTI. So tell us what that big why is. Sure. So I worked at uh, interdesign companies before starting my own. I really experienced a lot of in-house competition within the team. And it was always just strange for me because, you know, we worked for the same company and I really wanted to, I really wanted like a, a place that felt like we were all supporting each other. And unfortunately, I, that was not my experience in either of the companies that I worked for. And these were globally recognized companies. So to start out, I just really wanted to create a place for creativity. And that seems silly because you're like, it's interdesign. Of course, you're creative. But competition within in-house and within a culture can really stifle that creativity. And so I wanted to make sure that the, the culture and the environment that I was creating was something that was completely different from that. And, and then another caveat of the design industry, and I don't mean to make fleeting statements to say that they're all like this, but I think it is um, an exception to the norm to not be like this, just from my own experience and the colleagues that I've talked to, is that there's a huge lack of work-life balance. I, can't, I, I hate the, state, the statement work-life balance, just put that out there, it's probably another topic, but you know, people are human and need need to have their own personal life. So for me, it was really those two prongs is that I wanted to create the space for people to be super creative and um, feel supported and then also have a life outside of the studio that served them well and that was robust and that the company was really come alongside them in their life and as a human and as a person. Yeah. So what, I mean, tell me a little bit about that with, you know, maybe give me one example or two examples of people that have been on your team for a certain number of years and what that's meant to them in their personal lives as well as their professional lives. Goodness. I mean, we've had such amazing people, our team now, I mean, you know, it's, it's hard because as you grow business, you're just like the best is the best is now it's better than it ever has been. And I, I'm sure the best is yet to come. But I would say just, I, like I had a text from a studio coordinator that, that left. He had worked for us. Actually, was the first man that we hired and the only man that's ever worked here. He was amazing, uh, had four sisters. So that's just a unicorn in itself because he was like incredibly well-suited to deal with a, a team of women. But 
he was uh, from a military family. And so when he left the company to go uh, move to Tennessee, it was because his parents, who were both military parents, had finally kind of laid some roots and were building a home. And so they weren't moving. And so for the first time in his life, he was able to like really have that like home base. I texted him a couple months back and was just checking in with him and like kind of filling him in on some of the things that have happened since he had left. And he just, he did like hashtag once a gym, always a gym, which that's what we call our teams, the gyms, company Jewel Tone Interiors. So makes sense. Um, so that was just really cool to hear or to see in text um, that that was the way he felt. And, you know, you have to be really careful on the whole calling it a family because obviously you don't fire your family members. Typically you try not to. <laughs> um, but but at the same time, I do think that you have to lead with love and just to, to realize that really uh, authentic human component of the people that you're working alongside. Yeah, I think I think you're right. I mean, I think the the term, you know, our, our business or our company is a family is, is probably overutilized. Right. And so that just means that the value of that real way of doing things is, is just not as valued as, as it could be. But, you know, I think of it a little bit differently than the way that you just posed it in that, in that I think of it in terms of being a parent, right? So we've just established that you're a parent, I'm a parent, uh, I went the opposite of of all of the siblings that I've talked about. We only have two kids, um, but a family just because they're a family member doesn't mean that they get special treatment, right? As a parent, it's just as important to correct behaviors and help with different behaviors, even if that means that it's time to move on from something, right? And so I, I would say that, yes, you know, it, it may be more difficult. It may be more complicated to let a family member go if they're just not, you know, cutting the mustard. But the reality is there's an opportunity to move them to something that's better for them and for you. Yeah. And I'm a big uh, like follower of Jim Collins work. So right seat, right bus type of thing. And if the right seat isn't on our bus, and I want people to understand that and also support them in their next, in their next position and finding that next position. We have a pretty intense hiring process just because there is only seven of us and it is very uh, intense collaborative work a day to day. So like really everybody does need to get along to some extent. So we really do try to make sure that it's a good cultural fit um, because one toxic person is just the the fallout and the aftermath of hiring that one toxic person. It just takes a while to kind of like come back from that. So um, we're really careful, but also given the current talent war that's going on in um, in hiring out there, we also try to be super swift with it. So if we have a position to be filled, we have a system to like kind of get it moving so that we can get that person and not make them wait. Respecting their time too. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's it's a different time than, you know, I mean, I've been I've been in business for myself for 23 years now. Um and I don't remember a labor market like this ever. And it's just it's just crazy to try to live through as a business owner today. Yeah. And the construction industry is really getting hit by it. 
So what do you do specifically then as an organization to, to retain the key talent that you have? So one thing is to have benefits that are at the same level as like a large corporate interior design firm. So really robust health and wellness benefits, um, robust uh, retirement plan with matching all of that so that, you know, I like level to level, we can really provide something that's comparable to what our large scale competitors would be providing. We do a lot of internal coaching both one-on-one, uh, like from the ownership, my my business partner and I, and then also outside executive coaching with our team. Uh, that usually starts around like one year with us just because of the financial outlay of that. But prior to that one year, we do a ton of uh, group coaching too. And leadership seminars, we are actually sponsoring a leadership seminar at the end of this month. It was postponed. It was supposed to happen in December, but I think that's our fifth year with that seminar. So just things that are always um, growing them as an individual outside of their specific role and responsibility at JTI. And then there is a ton of autonomy in working here. Like I can honestly say that every voice is heard. We drop titles at the door quite um, at least four times a year. And I have pretty intensive all day meetings with the team just to say like, what's working, what's not, how can we improve next quarter? We're always just kind of checking the past and the rear view mirror, but then looking more into the, um, the windshield, which is much wider. So the future and how can we improve? And those, um, we call them powwows. Those quarterly powwows have been really game changer and everybody on the team really looks forward to it, being a part of it. Yeah, it's good. Cause that's, that's not always the case, right? I mean, a lot of these group meetings that are had, the, the, call them the line employees are just there begrudgingly. It's just a way for leadership to shove down our throats, what they want us to do going forward. And it's a completely different outcome uh, and feeling if it's done as a collaborative meeting. Now it's easier to do with a small team, right? So in the future, I I, I hate to burst your bubble, but this is going to get harder (laughs) as your team grows. If that's the plan that you have is to grow your team. It is. I think I would just love for that culture to flow through departments and for it still to be, you know, it may not be me necessarily leading all of them, but um, like even one of the employees suggested uh, for us to have a cookie exchange at the last one because it was like right during the holidays. And so we we were already planning on wearing our pajamas. So we wore pajamas and to to work and, and exchanged cookies during this, you know, all day meeting. So it, we're always open to like shifting it and changing it a little bit. Someone else had said like, I'm sick of meeting in that in the office. Can we meet outside? So we did like five or six in a row outside of the office. That was an easy switch with our partners and vendors in the, in the community. So, um, but no, I, I know what you're saying. And I've actually had larger uh, com- owners of larger companies say that to me, like, how do I bring that to my hundred employees? <laughs> um, but I'm I'm always ready for a challenge. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, I, I'm sure that you'll figure it out, but uh, it it does. It just takes it takes the ability to be more. Well, you have to be more intentional in everything that you do. The larger the team gets, right? I mean, every time you talk to somebody who, even that I would consider like a middle management type of a position, but for a very large organization that has 
thousands and thousands of employees is how disconnected they feel from the actual leadership of the organization, right? I mean, just, just an example I'll share with you. And, you know, I, I don't think, I don't think the plan is ever to take JTI to thousands of employees, but I think that this is an important concept for any CEO to kind of think about and realize as you get to 20 or 30 or 50, or maybe even a hundred employees, right? And, you know, I was at this meeting at a conference really, and there was a recognition of certain people who had accomplished certain things throughout the year. Okay. And the CEO of this very large organization was there, took pictures with the, the winners of these different, you know, plaques and so forth. And then he was kind of mingling at this meeting and he would walk up and introduce himself to people. And, you know, you would think that that's the right thing to do, but then he walked up to a group where I'm standing talking to these other people. And one of the guys who'd won the award and had been with the organization in a fairly high level position for a significant period of time, he walked away and he said, I've met him no less than five or six times. And he introduced himself again and asked for my name. And so that, that is, that kind of sticks with me. And I, and I, and I think about that with the organizations that I work with on a consulting basis, as well as with my team, that you have to be intentional about continuing to know them and care about them. And, and if you can't physically do it yourself, that feeling has to be passed down through each of the division heads that that's being conveyed, or you're figuring out a way to, to learn more about the employees yourself, because it does, it has a very negative feeling that is portrayed or, you know, felt by those employees. Yeah. And I've had something similar happen in a group that was like 25, <laughs> where someone, someone that was actually, um, that I had hired and that was working for me was uh, let go on a day that I wasn't working. I had, I had Fridays off. I had negotiated Fridays off because I was a new mom wanted to be with my kid and they had laid her off or, or let her go on a Friday. And then when I called the owner and was like, what's going on, why would you do that? And they're like, Oh, she worked for you. She was on your team. And I was like, how's this even possible? Like, and I'm talking like, you know, less than 30 people. Yeah. I was like the beginning of the end for me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. Well, so, I mean, that really comes down to being authentic and intentional in the way that you're leading the organization. So if I put that in your lap, like, what would you say that are the things that you either are doing well or that you feel that you could do better um, at being, you know, with leading your team with authenticity and intentionality? I think with doing well, I think communication is probably something that we excel at. We've had a ton of referrals come to us because of, um, they like heard that we listen, which just seems like so obvious to me and so rudimentary, but I guess truly actively listening to people is a skill. And so that alone, like just dropping our ego and being able to get outside what we feel like we may want in a space and really getting like what a client wants in a space and what's really going to serve their team. That's been uh, hugely uh, transformational for us just because that's how, that's literally 
what people come to us is like, and then they say, wow, like if they've worked for the interior designers in the past, like, wow, you really listened to me. It's just weird every time I hear it. But another thing is, you know, interior designers can have a style, like a set style. And I always say, you know, we are walking away from these jobs with pretty pictures for our portfolio, but these other people have to live like live per se, if we're doing a home, obviously, but we don't do that many homes. We do way more commercial spaces. So they still have to operate, serve their clientele within that space. So we, I really just want that to be set up so that they're set up for success versus, you know, whatever preconceived notions we have. So it's, it goes back to that intentionality, just always being super intentional in the questions and asking and looking for the things that aren't said, the body language and emotional cues. And even, you know, some people just, whether it be they're people pleasers or whatever, they just don't want to tell you no. And you can kind of see that it is a no. So just kind of pushing and like really getting to the bottom of things um, so that so that we can move the project forward and also just make it what they what they need it to be. What we're struggling with, the pandemic slowed us down in the technology realm. To be honest, we were really in 2020, we wanted to hit the ground running with technology because, you know, it's moving like so fast paced in every industry, but in in, in interior architecture um, and construction, uh, building modeling, BM, uh, BIM, building information modeling is like where you're building a drawing in three dimensions versus in two. Being able to do that was exponentially uh, better for us this past year because we really, really pushed. We pushed from a financial perspective, um, personnel. We hired, you know, we did boot camps um, for like six weeks on a Friday. We took the time out of like contracts for training, like we just, and then we even created our own like FAQs around the software. So we just like, and we're not stopping like that. That's, we have metrics this year to make sure that we're still moving that ball forward because, you know, the future of our industry is going to be, it's just all virtual and it has to be three dimensions at a minimum, really four dimensions. So, yeah, so yeah, that's exciting. Yeah, it is. I mean, I, so I'm a I'm a consumer, obviously, of interior design type type work, but I put myself in in the shoes of any of your customers or clients. And for me, just obviously speaking, just for me, for me, it's really hard to picture what a room is going to look like if I can't see it in 3D images, right? Right. I mean, you know, your mind being artistic may work that way, but mine does not. And so, you know, I can I can walk into a room, right? I mean, I'm in, obviously in a room right now. I can walk into a room and kind of picture it, or I can look at my backyard, for example, and say, gosh, you know, if we moved the fence over this and we did that and redid the pool deck or, you know, whatever, I can picture what it would look like if I'm staring at that space, but I'm staring at it in 3D. If I'm looking at it drawn on a piece of paper, Forget it, it. it just doesn't, I can't get there. And you're not alone. That's like how most of our clientele comes to us. And that's what's so exciting about this because we always have presented like a viewpoint, 
but obviously like your one view. So you do like the money shot and you make it look amazing, but this will actually give us the opportunity to do more immersive presentations. Well, and the other thing that you mentioned was, you know, the listening part. And the thing is, you know, I, I remember years ago learning, you have two ears and one mouth, use them accordingly, right? And use them in that ratio, essentially, is, is what the message is. And it, it's hard for most people who are in a sales type role. Now, I would say what you guys do is consultative selling, right? Because you still have to sell, you have to get the customers to buy into your vision and buy into your, and well, not even to your vision, buy into your point earlier to buy into you being the right person to help them carry forward their vision. Right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where interior designers specifically get stuck is like you said, they have their style and the way that they would do things. And they're not listening to the consumer to know what it is that they're trying to carry out. And you're there to help them carry out their vision. Exactly. And that that's trust for me. Like that you could, if you want to like pretty, put a pretty bow on it, it's trust. And so that's actually why our logo has a key. Cause like, if you're giving someone the key to something like you, that's a level of trust. It's, it's a huge honor to be honest. Like, if you're doing someone's home, like you're, you're creating the background for all their memories that they're making. And then if you're doing a, a workspace where, you know, it's even more, it's, I mean, I know there's a ton of working from home now, but you, for the most part, people spend most of their waking hours in their workspace and they do in their own home. And so that environment has the ability to nurture them in ways that could either enhance our life or not. And that is another differentiator with us is it's so weird The 2020, we started doing words in 2020, like, you know, word of the year for the business. Like, and we, again, it was a collaborative effort with the team. Um, not me saying what the word was, like we came up with it together and we chose in 2019 at the end of it, we chose wellness for 2020. <laughs> so ironic with the global pandemic around the corner, we really had to dive in. Like if we're going to honor our word and if our company is going to look at wellness for the end users at every turn of a project, what does that look like? That is one thing that, that the pandemic did is it like really spurred people in appreciating their surroundings because people spent so much time in their home or they missed their office or they didn't miss their office and they needed to. Like, you know, the employers needed to create a space where people actually wanted to leave their home, which is still happening. Because like, it's really not all about downsizing. It's about right-sizing. And that right-sizing isn't just around scale, like the proportion. It's also around, you know, what does that look like? And how does that really serve your people? I'm excited because I feel like it kind of pushed into your design to more of a forefront. And how it can, and how these spaces, and even like going to a restaurant, like why, why not do just DoorDash? Like, why would you go to a restaurant? Because you want the experience. Typically, that includes the surroundings. Of course, you know, your service and the food, it all layers in. But yeah. ideal clients, you know, they nail, they can nail that part. We got to nail the third part. <laughs> yep. No, you're absolutely right. I mean, I went, I went to dinner last night with my wife and my kids and my son's uh, new fiance. 
And, uh, you know, we went to this restaurant that we've been to many times, but, you know, as you talk about this, I start to think more about, you know what, the aesthetic at that restaurant is really cool. They've got like the exposed beams and, you know, all these kinds of things. And they've, the setup is good. They've done a good job of positioning, whether it's TVs or the stage where the live band plays or, you know, those sorts of things. They, they did a really good job of that. And then, you know, obviously that's in concert with an interior designer. And then the other stuff has to be there too. If the food weren't good, we wouldn't go there regardless. Right. But it, it does make a difference. And I, I think about it from my point of view with the pandemic. So I, I had an office that was about 23 miles from my house when all of this started. And I realized for myself, we were already starting to do quite a bit more on Zoom. We were expanding well beyond our state you know, borders and our drivable distance for client meetings anyhow. Um, and so all of that kind of just pushed me to say, well, you know what, I don't, I don't know if I really need that office in the fancy building that's, you know, I'm paying this much for, but what I do need, so I'm, I'm in my home right now. This is the office that I work in every day, but it has a separate outside entrance. And it's important to me to be able to separate. That's my workspace. This is my home space. Right. And the, the decoration can be different. Everything about it can be different. So I, I still feel like, you know, mentally, we still need that separation, even if we choose to have our workspace in our home. I agree. And when I started my business, I worked on a um, like a fold up table in my guest room. And I was like desperate to get an office space as soon as I could, just because I don't know if it's my brain. I think I'm, I'm, fairly certain. Um, I'm like self-diagnosed, have an ADHD brain, but I just was like, all of a sudden I needed to do laundry or I needed to, you know, check the mail or whatever it was, put the chicken in the oven for dinner. Like there's just all these other things that just distracted me when I was home. Our team actually did ask for virtual, um, one day virtual. So we've been doing virtual Friday since like Q2 of last year. Um, which has been great. We still meet on Zoom, do our quick five-minute huddle in the mornings, and then we go about it. And it's been working really good, especially because I have two team members that are in Miami and the commute's pretty intense for them. But we're so collaborative in terms of like hands-on, like actually working with things tangibly with each other and sketching and problem-solving real-time that to be fully virtual for me would be very, very difficult for the whole team. But we, and we, and we do have one, one staff that does virtual Tuesdays through Friday. So yeah, so it's just kind of not a one size fits all, but it's awesome because we, we love like the studio we bought actually mid pandemic, which was a huge uh, risk. <laughs> <Don't> <laughs> <at the time. laughs> because like all office space, everybody's moving out of their office space. And we're like, let's buy an office condo. But we mitigated the risk by going in with a partner that we had done many, many business, uh, many, many projects with, you know, then the built, we did an entire build out. So we designed the whole space to suit us well, suit them well. And it's been nice. To have it. Yeah. Very cool. Well, let's, uh, let's take a quick break. We'll share a, a quick um, message or call to action to our listeners and uh, give us each a chance to get a drink of water. And then we'll come back and, and talk about what I think is pretty interesting. And that's the fact that you took on a, a partner later on uh, after the business was well on its way. So we'll take that quick break and we'll come back. 
Awesome. Sounds good. Hey there, tycoons. Austin Peterson here, co-host of Tycoons of Small Biz. If you think you have what it takes to be considered a tycoon and you're wondering how you could become a featured guest, please follow and then message us at Tycoons of Small Biz on LinkedIn. We'd love to have a conversation with you to see if it is a mutually good fit. And if so, we'll get you scheduled for an interview. If you're unsure about being a guest on our podcast, but are contemplating selling your business over the next few years and you'd like to know what your business is worth, Please also follow us and then message us on LinkedIn for your no obligation, informal valuation of your business. We look forward to hearing from you and thanks for listening to the Tycoons of Small Biz podcast. And now back to today's program. All right, Tycoons, welcome back. We're here with Joy Linsky with JTI Interiors from Fort Lauderdale, Florida. We've unpacked quite a bit so far, Joy, but let's talk about something that you did that not a lot of people do, and that's that you took on a partner well after the business was established. So kind of tell us how that how that came about, what your thought process was, and what it's been like since. Sure. So I originally, before starting the business, always wanted to start a business with a partner, but that when I kind of felt pushed or led to start this business was I didn't have that partner or didn't feel comfortable about someone at the time. So just kind of went out on a limb on my own. And this is a year after my husband had started his. So was real. it felt super risky at the time. We only had one child then. And the irony is I actually, not to get personal, but you know, that personal people run businesses. So there's that. But I was, I got pregnant like a, like a month after starting the business. <laughs> So that was really not the plan. And then actually we we miscarried and lost the baby, but um, but then realized, okay, I guess we do want a second. And then I was like, whatever, it's you know, to get over the grief of that, I was like focusing on the business, like it doesn't matter. I'm a, I'm gonna build a business, I need to do this. And then of course, like got pregnant really fast after that, too. So so Scarlett, my my middle is like kind of. I, like she's almost like the age of JTI, which is so interesting. Um, I have so many like young pictures of her, you know, like kind of startup-y pictures of her taking first steps in the office and stuff. Back to partnership, I knew I wanted a partner. Um, I had prayed and had just envisioned who that would be. I had interviewed someone in 2016 and she, I had I'd reached out to my university and said, who are the rock stars down here? I need to hire a rock star. And um, she had given me someone who had been in Atlanta and then relocated. So I met with Jacqueline. And the minute that I met with her, I hate to be like, you know, I knew she was the one, but there was a sense of this is my gal. Like just the way we interacted, we went to the same university. So we were kind of like raised by the same parents, if you will, in the way that we think about design. So we were very methodically you know, aligned with design process. I just saw so much potential in her. But of course, it's like, you can't like meeting one say like, hey, you want to be my partner? Like that's super strange. So I just expressed interest in hiring her. And she was so burnt out by the design industry for all the reasons I mentioned earlier. And she decided to go to work for a furniture dealer. I was devastated because I was... Mind you, my two competitors who I'm very familiar with both offered her a job too. So that gives you an idea of the kind of rock star I have. She got three offers from design firms and turned them all down. 
So she went to work for a furniture dealer and I just kind of talked to her through the year. Like not weird, but just like, how you doing? You know, checking in. Almost a year after we initially met, I said, listen, I know you want to leave the furniture dealership at some point and you'll have a lot of opportunities out there. That's a given. I cannot promise you this, but what I see in you is partnership material and it won't happen overnight. We're going to have to date before we marry, but I would love to meet with you and really talk about that and what that looks like. And so we met and again, just felt like aligned and, and then she's like, well, I want to give them a full year. So she gave them one more month and then, um, started as an employee. It's so interesting because I had so many mentors that told me that I had to do this whole buy-sell agreement and create stock in the company and just this whole convoluted thing. But the truth is, I am not just a business owner. I'm a wife and a mother and a community leader. I actively volunteer. And so for me, like sharing that burden of business ownership was invaluable, like literally priceless. So I gave her a portion of the company after being here for a couple of years. And I've never regretted it, not for a second. Because the day she started with me as an employee, she was a partner in the way that she acted. I mean, I, I just feel really, really fortunate because I know sometimes partnerships can go all kinds of ways. And she's expressed interest in buying more of the company, which is awesome. And having more ownership and that's available to her. So it's just really cool because we're we're really building it together now. And I don't know, she's my unicorn. That's what I call her. <laughs> <She's> a- <laughs> so just to clarify or to make sure I heard it correctly, she had been there two years when you gifted the the ownership. Yeah, a little bit, maybe a little bit over, but just just over two years. Mm-hmm. Okay. I mean, after two years, you have a you have a sense of of what she's doing, what she means to the organization, how she's acting. You know, like you said, as a partner, as an owner already, and and you do see that difference between even a manager and an owner, or a normal employee and an owner. And so, you know, seeing that, and now all cards on the table. I would have been one of those people who said, "You need a buy sell agreement. You got to create like there has there has to be an agreement. You have to follow that, right?" But there are exceptions to every rule, right? And gifting ownership is not a bad thing either. We do it. We do it more often with family members, right? Right. Um, but that doesn't mean that it's a it's a wrong or a bad decision. It's clearly worked out for you. Yeah, I mean, not that I set up the test to happen, but baby number three came along during that time when she was an employee, and so basically, I had to leave to, you know, have my child and have some time with him. So the perfect test was just built right in. And what was so cool too, is stepping away. I got to see, you know, the rest of the team grow too within my absence, Um, which is business owners. A lot of us, I'm speaking, I think to many listening um, can be control freaks and want things the way we want them. And it's really, really a gift to be pushed to let go if you can't do it on your own, <laughs> which I clearly, I, I don't think I could have, but it's, it's such a gift to be able to see that. And, to, and the, the project that happened in my absence is still like, to me, one of my 
Jewel Tone's like my favorite projects. It's so special to me because I remember seeing it. I think I was like in the hospital, like I just had the baby. And I was like, this is phenomenal. Like, this is my team. And like, I didn't have any say in it, you know? So it's humbling, but more more than anything, it's really motivating. Yeah, there's there's no doubt about it. And, you know, you hit some really important concepts there that we we talk to business owners about all the time. And that's that sometimes you do have to get out of your own way. Um, you have to be willing to delegate. And if your business can actually run without you, at least as successfully, if not more successfully, right, for periods of time, then, then your business becomes that much more valuable to an outside buyer anyhow. And so if that's even on your radar for any business owner, I'm not talking to you specifically, for any business owner to sell your business to an outside party, your business better darn well be able to be run without you there every day. Yeah, that's one of the reasons why I didn't name it after myself too. Yeah, <laughs> smart, smart move. All right, so I have to go back to the mention of Scarlett being essentially the, the same age as JTI, pictures of her being there during these you know startup phases, et cetera. So I'm hoping that you're using that somehow in your marketing branding and all those sorts of things that you're doing, because I think that that can be very powerful, specifically as a woman-owned business. That's a good idea. We're coming up on our 10-year, so that would be a really good thing to kind of incorporate in that 10-year. We'll have like a temporary logo for that one year of our that 10th, just incorporating the the numbers 10 of one and zero. So that'll be fun to play with. I I appreciate the suggestion. Uh, That's awesome. I'm always looking for content ideas. Yeah, I mean, those types of images can elicit, you know, a lot of emotional response and and even logical, financially minded people make most decisions around emotions, especially when it's, you know, when we're talking about something that you do for a living and what you, what service you're providing to them. So just, yeah, something that came to mind that I thought was, was worth mentioning. I love um, it. Yeah. So with that, right. I mean, we've talked about this. We've, we've talked about your husband owns his own business. So he's an entrepreneur. You've got three kids of your own between the two of you, plus one bonus child that came from his first marriage. What do you guys do to kind of maintain balance, right? I mean, work-life balance, I don't know if that's really a great phrase. I don't. I don't really love that phrase, but what do you guys do to make sure that the business runs well, that your guys' relationship is strong, that the kids are, you know, taken care of. What do you guys do specifically and intentionally to to make sure that you're in the right spot? Yeah. So the work life, I like the work life balance concept. I just would love to change to the concept of harmony, just because harmony is when you think of music. There's more of some notes and less of others, or like a really good recipe. You know, there's going to be different proportions of things. So I always try to talk about work-life harmony. Like, obviously, you're going to be working some, some days and then home more other days. So what we do specifically, you know, there's non-negotiables, no tablets at the table, no, or no screens at the table. Try to be consistent about uh, dinner times and things like that. And then we really do try to communicate, uh, like, on Sundays about what the week looks like. That doesn't always flow as, as you, you know, there's fires that come up. Like today, my business partner was out 
I was supposed to take lunch to the kids at camp. And so I had to call and was like, hey, I need to cover her at a luncheon. Like, can you please take them lunch? And and he did. But I think that the biggest thing is to have alignment in like expectations, right? So like, this is what this is what support looks like for me. What does it look like for you? And not, and being understanding that it's not going to necessarily look the same. It is definitely ebbs and flows. Um, He just recently went through an acquisition with his business. So I had to, you know, kind of handle a lot more for him to be dedicated to that. And there's time, we definitely have a network, a village of people. We don't have family nearby. So we have a village of our community that really comes alongside us, babysitters that we really trust. But we also try to teach the kids, like, we love what we do. Like, we love you and we are, we hate to be away from you, but we also enjoy our work. You know, like, you don't want them to think like it's drudgery and, you know, it's almost like painful. Um, I want my kids to really find things that they're passionate about. So... I try to make sure they understand our passions too. I love the way you you kind of put that together using harmony there because you're right, there is ebbs and flows. But the the thing that kind of really stuck out to me is everything that you mentioned is based in strong communication. The reason I feel it's important to kind of talk about this specifically with the fact that your husband owns, you know, his own business as well, and that you have that dynamic, the divorce rate in business ownership is pretty high, right? And it's and it stems from overwork, the lack of the harmony, the lack of, you know, keeping things the, the way that they should be and, you know, fair, but maybe not equal, et cetera, et cetera. There's a lot of things that kind of go into that, but it's something that is important, right? I mean, the, the reality is we talk about this, we believe wholeheartedly that the backbone of the American economy is the small business owner. We want more and more business owners in our country to continue to build businesses and to drive this economy forward. And that those, those entrepreneurs should be rewarded for that. Right. But we want to stop some of the things that happen along the way, unfortunately, because things get out of balance or out of whack in terms of their personal relationships. And so you know, it sounds like you guys are are doing a great job and, and hats off to you for that. And not, so, and I don't mean to make it sound like it's all fluffy bunnies and rainbows, you know, it ebbs and flows there too. Like we, we have, you know, we'll do tune-ups in marriage counseling or go to a marriage conference or, um, you know, one thing we really try to do, it's like D3, dialogue daily let me get this right, date weekly and depart annually, like take a trip, just the two of us. So that those three D's like are super difficult. I mean, it's, it is like, it's hard to date weekly when you're both running a business, but like we, we really try to do that. And I typically do it on the tail end of a networking event that I already am committed to. So it's like a two for one for the sitter. Like I already have them committed on that day because I go to this networking event and then, you know, I get a date with my husband too. So, and he works late that night. So it's, it's, and I have to say, I have an extremely supportive spouse because some women don't. Um, and I do think that it is important. 
and especially for women that are not, that are single and looking for a spouse. Um, you really just, uh, just look at the way they treat their mama. <laughs> That's what I'm going to say. <laughs> yeah, no, there's, there's definitely a lot of truth to that. And, you know, it's, it's, uh, maybe it's just more top of mind for me too. Cause so I've been married, we're coming up on 25 years. It'll be 25 years in August. We've had our ups and downs. I've been a small business owner essentially that entire time. My wife was a stay-at-home mom for some of it, but has worked a good portion of it. Now our kids are grown, but my wife is very busy in addition to me being busy running our business. And so you would think that it gets easier when the kids are grown and gone because we're literally empty nesters, right? But just this week, we've talked about how we need to be better about having that daily dialogue that you just mentioned, right? Better about the weekly dates. We do pretty good with the departing and going and, you know, traveling on our own and spending that time together. And and quite honestly, our relationship is the strongest at those points, right? So when we're on vacation together, that's when we get along the best, we're communicating better, we're, you know, we're talking about certain things, but those tune-ups are important, right? And for us, we've recently discovered that we need to be, like, we may actually need to start using some of those conversation prompts so that we're not talking about her work or my work or the kids, because those are essentially the only topics that we've been conversing about forever. And I think it's important for us to have conversations that don't revolve around those three things because she's tired of hearing about my business. I'm tired of hearing about what she's doing day in and day out, even though both of them are really important things. It's, you know what, let's talk about something else. Yeah, it's tough. It's tough. I mean, that's the thing. Marriage takes work, but congratulations on 25 years. It's awesome. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, we I've talked about this once or twice on some other podcasts. I got a lot to live up to because my wife's parents just celebrated their 70th wedding anniversary. What? That's so awesome. <laughs> that's great. Wow. Yeah. October of last year was 70 years for them. So obviously they're getting a big age, but uh yeah, 70 years is a, is a lot to live up to. And then my parents were married 40 years before my dad passed away in August. So wow. it's, uh, we've got some, some work to do for sure. Yeah, that's incredible. So, yeah, thank you. So let's, let's kind of close this. This is something I haven't done before, but I'm thinking it may be something that I kind of do uh, going forward as a, as a way to end the show. So in addition to how people can get a hold of you at JTI and you know connect with your team and you know, hopefully hire your team for what it is that you guys do in in, uh, in interior design. In addition to those things, I'd love to hear from you what entrepreneurship and small business means to you. Like, why is it important to you? Why do you take pride in being a small business owner? I take pride in it. I mean, the rebel in me, um, I just love being a disruptor. And doing things that are outside that kind of corporate standards and having a, you know, going to work in our pajamas and 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 exchanging cookies and um and kind of just building a business alongside other people, like really with their voices being heard. 
uh, you know, there's so much happening right now with diversity, equity, and inclusion, but that, that B, that DEIB, that belonging is, I think, honestly, the magic. And I think that when people feel like they truly belong and can be their authentic self in their workplace, like that's where we're changing the world. And so like, I'm not trying to be Pollyanna about it. I really, truly believe it. Like, I think that, um, it's a huge responsibility and I'm honored to be at the helm of it. That's awesome. I love that. All right. So how do people get a hold of you? Jewel Tone Interiors on Instagram, LinkedIn. We're on Facebook too. Not quite as active, super active on LinkedIn. Our website, we have a monthly newsletter that is, I promise, not spammy. Just a bunch about the uh, color trends and what's happening in the design world, plus what we're up to. But we just love to serve. We love to serve clients that are mission-focused and want to make a difference. We do a ton in um, housing affordability both in promoting it. It's a huge crisis in this country. So anything in that space and then all the way up to a luxury as well. But um, but yeah, we'd love just to serve anyone that wants to create a space to nurture other people. Yeah, no, that's awesome. So I, I actually, I'm going to make one last comment about what you were talking about with diversity and inclusion and you know equity, belonging, those sorts of things. I, I heard somebody say, and I don't even remember who it was, it was either a podcast or something that I was listening to in the last few days, where they feel like that the order should be flipped, right? Because it feels like diversity starts with what's different about us, and belonging and inclusion starts with what's, you know, that brings Thanks. us together. Yeah. yeah. And so I, I almost feel like there should be this push to say, let's let's just reorder it. You can use the same words. You have the same intention, but let's reorder it and let's focus on what what brings us together and what, you know, what is the same about us rather than starting with what's different. I love that. That's awesome. I'm going to be intentional about that. Yeah, very cool. Well, I appreciate the conversation. I've enjoyed it immensely and uh, and really appreciate you being willing to be a guest on our podcast. Thank you, Austin. And congratulations on your wedding anniversary. (laughs) Thank you. You've been listening to Tycoons of Small Biz, a podcast for small business owners by small business owners. Join us every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Arizona time for an introduction to another great tycoon. And be sure to follow us on our social media channels for links to all of our episodes and great content.